Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. All right, so talking about the uh, last hour, we were talking about the Montgomery boat brawl. Not just the details of the case, so you you know, you know have an idea of what happened. So this way, when you come across stories or conversations, you'll have, a, you'll have an understanding. But also... There is, and maybe this is just me and my interest, but I kind of get the feeling like that you're interested in this too, as you listen to the show and you listen to WBT, which is how the stories are told and why stories get told versus other stories that do not get told, right? So the story of the Montgomery boat, uh, boat brawl, it advances a certain story that, that, Media and a lot of people in our society prefer to tell, which is, you know, here is another example of a bunch of racist white guys attacking a black guy, except this time black people turned the tables and they whipped up on the white guys. Now, here's the thing. They had it coming. The white guys absolutely had it coming. You go and pick a fight. You start throwing hands. You don't get to complain when a whole bunch of other people not knowing anything else about the the uh, the. The reason for the fight, when they get involved. That's how fights work. Okay, that's how they work. Especially when you get a lot of people involved. And nobody really knows, you know, what all's going on for the most part. They're just throwing hands, swinging chairs and stuff. But that's how these things happen. It's a fight. It's a brawl. I see people are, you know, complaining about uh, some woman uh, who got uh, beaten on the head, some a guy with the folding chair whacked her on the head with the chair, and she was already on the ground. And there are people that are saying th- that the guy shouldn't have done that to the woman. The guy, by the way, was black. She was white. And so there are people that say he shouldn't have done that. And there are people that say, well, she was involved in it, and so you don't get to pick and choose. And that's sort of, like this is see during fights like this, right? Rules. Rules are in the, uh, they're just up to you in your brain. When you're in a big fight, you don't know how the other person or even somebody you're not even aware of in the big brawl, you don't know what their standard is. It's a breakdown of the social order, just like war. Why, this is why it is to be avoided. So I'm not, look, like I, I can look at everybody and say everybody that was involved in this bears some responsibility for uh, uh, for the violence, absolutely. Some more so than others, like the people who started it, the the, the guys in the pontoon boat, the white guys that jumped the black uh, first mate. Yeah, throw the book at them. You you turned this thing violent. There wasn't anything that guy did. That crewmate, there's nothing he did. I think his name is Damian Prickett or Pickett. And anyway, so he. There's nothing he did that warranted you guys to behave the way you did. And the historical record is that the guys in the pontoon boat are jerks. And they've been engaging in this sort of dumbassery for quite a while. So, yeah, you throw hands. I have no I have no uh, uh, sympathy for them uh, throwing hands at you. None at all. 
Totally fine with it. Oh, and I got a message here. Hang on. Let me. I had not heard this term before, but uh, Greg says, my buddies from Wrightsville Beach call these types of guys Rodneys, as in the Caddyshack boat reference. There you go. Rodneys. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, they're that they are those guys, complete jerks, inebriated, right? They go out on the boat, they drink all of their beers and stuff, and then they pull up, and they're like, Yeah, I'm on my boat, I'm a tough guy, and all this stuff. And yeah, you bleeped around and you found out that's what happened. But then I noticed also there is this strain of the social media response which is celebrating the racial component and not just in the media reports, but among, you know, regular people on social media. And I often, you know, flip contexts and test standards that way. And it's not what about ism. It's, it's a consistent application of a standard. And I, I know, and you know that had the roles been reversed and actually the roles do get reversed Quite often, actually, quite often, we see groups of black people attacking a white person. And we do not see the kind of coverage, nor do we see the kind of celebration in media and on social media that we saw with this story. This is why it's so destructive to the society. It's not a consistent standard. You either value tranquility, politeness, civility, right? You either value that or you do not. And if you do not, you don't get any special privilege based on the color of your skin either way or your ethnicity or your gender or anything. The consistent standard is you don't throw hands, right? Unless you are in, uh, in jeopardy, right? You, you feel you're being threatened by somebody. Somebody is threatening you. You know, it's a different story. But no, somebody moves your boat four feet so the big boat can dock after you flip them off and refuse to move the boat on your own. No, you don't get to beat somebody for that. That's the standard. You don't get to do that. Right? Media cr- Now, get this. This is from the Washington Free Beacon. This is from April by Charles Lehman. Media critics on the right say that conspicuous omission of race from news reports illustrates a trend among prestige papers which de-emphasize or omit the race of non-white criminals while playing up the race of white criminals. But is that a real pattern? Is it true? Right? I perceive this. I'm sure many people have perceived this. And you can chalk this up, by the way, to a, uh, to a backlash or the pendulum swinging the other direction, because I remember 20 years ago in the news business, we would get complaints uh, I would hear complaints because mainly this was a uh, it was a TV centric complaint, uh, and I remember I did a uh, I did a panel discussion with a couple of other media people, uh, television, newspaper. I think the publisher of the Charlotte Observer was uh, part of the panel, and um, some of the audience was or, was complaining to the news organization, the the TV news organizations there that um, that they didn't like that. In their estimation, in their opinion, their perception was that only black people's mugshots were being shown on the TV news. That was their perception, that that whenever somebody was arrested or charged, they, they would put the mugshots up 
and it was only uh, it was only African Americans, and that was meant to convey this idea that you know they're criminals, but they would never post white people's mugshots. Now I don't know what the policies were at all the different news organizations. That may have been true. I don't know. I didn't watch all of the stations. I, there was no analysis of it that I ever saw. But also, I mean, if you look at the data, there's a reason why you see more mugshots from one racial group than another. It's because, like, the data bears this out. There are more arrests. There's more crime. You're more likely to be victimized. So, I know we can't talk about that, though, right? But we should. We have to be able to. Otherwise, what? We end up with what we saw in the reaction to the Montgomery boat brawl, where people are like, yes, right? People feel then that they are justified in taking violent action against others merely because of the color of their skin. That is a very, very dangerous course to be on. I thought we all learned that when white people were doing it. A Washington Free Beacon review of hundreds of articles published by major newspapers over a span of two years finds that newspapers downplay the race of non-white offenders mentioning their race much later in articles than they do for white offenders. These papers are also three to four times more likely to mention an offender's race at all if he is white. A disparity that has only grown in the wake of George Floyd's death in 2020 and the protests that followed. Right, so you understand what's happening there? The papers are more likely to mention the race of the offender if they're white. And if the offender is black, they won't mention it at all. There has been this, there has been this, the pendulum swing, the other direction where you got news organizations. I've talked about this before. News organizations that will not even give you uh, the racial characteristic of, uh, or the race of a, of a wanted person, someone who's armed and dangerous running around the streets of Charlotte. And they're like, we need your help. Be on the lookout. Call police. If you see this guy, really? That's it. That's the only dis- that's the only description you can give me. If I see a man, I'm supposed to call the police. Like that's a bit absurd. And I understand after an arrest is made, you don't need to refer to their race. They're caught. There's no value in giving me that descriptor once they're once they are arrested. Now, we ha- we have to figure out this standard folks, and by folks I mean media. <laughs> we have to figure this out. Cuz you're not helping you're not helping the community, you're not helping the society in which we all live. I just, I don't just talk about, like, well, I talk about stuff that uh, you're advised to never talk about, well, like, really ever, but particularly on first dates, right? Politics, oh, yeah, talk about that. Religion, we'll talk about that. Um, race, ethnicity, gender issues, yeah, we talk about those, too. See, now, here's the thing. Like, I try to approach this stuff, um, and I try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt when I discuss this. And I understand people, you know, especially like these topics are, you know, fraught with peril because you say something wrong, say, you you get misconstrued, misunderstood. And dare I say it, people act like Republicans with the pouncing and the seizing and such. But I'm a, I'm a, I'm a data kind of guy. I want to know the data. Like, are these things actually true? So these ideas, these sentiments, these perceptions, are they true? And the Washington Free Beacon collected data on nearly 1,100 articles about homicides from six major newspapers. And all of them were written between 2019 and 2021. 
So papers like the Chicago Tribune, the LA Times, New York Times, Philadelphia Inquirer, San Francisco Chronicle, Minneapolis's Star Tribune. Representatives of each one of these papers, by the way, did not return requests for comment for the article that was written by the Washington Free Beacon. And for each article, they collected the offender's name and race and the victim's name and race and noted where in the article the offender's race was mentioned, if at all. And the data suggests an editorial trend in which these major papers routinely omit information from news reports. And what this does is it presents readers with a skewed picture of who does and who does not commit crime. And it makes people in certain racial or demographical cohorts, it makes them feel like they are under siege all the time. Or it makes them feel like they're being misrepresented all the time. These editorial choices are part and parcel with the racial reckoning that swept newsrooms in the wake of George Floyd's murder, which saw a lot of journalists dramatically overhauling crime coverage to emphasize the view that the criminal justice system is racist at the root, perhaps at the expense of honesty about individual offenders' crimes. By the way, did you see what Oakland just said? Oakland was just like, oh my gosh, like state of emergency now. (laughs) We need need to hire more police. Wait, why? I thought y'all were in on the defund the police thing. Papers are far quicker to mention the race of white murderers than black murderers. And by the way, those two races, black and white, account for 92% of mentions. So they don't know what the other 8% are, okay? Half of the articles about a white offender mention his race within the first part of, first 15% of the article. So at the very top, in articles where the offenders are black, mentions come towards the end of the piece like 60 percent of the way through right so they're 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 pushing the the uh the white uh characteristic up and they're pushing the black characteristic down and when you have it this widespread across all the newspapers that's not a coincidence right white offenders race was mentioned in one out of every four articles compared to black offenders who were mentioned in one out of 17 articles this disparity only grew after george floyd's murder the free beacon piece by charles layman says it could be that there were more series uh, more stories rather in which a white offender's race was relevant after floyd's death than before i mean that's possible but it's also easy to see how the increased attention to white murderers represents a change in what reporters and editors and editors thought was and was not important for the readers to know, right? This is why I said it yesterday. The bias is not just in the stories that are told and how they are told. It's in the stories that are never told, right? It's about information that never makes it in to a news story. There's your bias as well. At the same time, major newsrooms have prioritized racial justice coverage, which may mean downplaying black crime and emphasizing white crime. And the problem with that is that it is not an accurate representation of reality. And so you are, you are uh, twisting people's perception of what is real and what is true. And for whatever reason, and you may think that you have a moral reason to do this, 
but it's not real. It's not real. All right, more on that in a minute. First, let me tell you, the Heritage Life Skills event was fantastic. Every year, Bill and Jan Sturette organized the event to help people get educated on how to be prepared for anything. The Sturettes own Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials you'll need for any kind of emergency. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies, because being prepared is just smart. The Heritage Life Skills event brings educators and vendors from all over to help people do just that. I was honored to be able to be a small part of it. And whether you're an experienced prepper, have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at CarolinaReadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? On Twitter, at Pete Callender. You can send me a tweet, and then I read them, and I call them Pete Tweets. Mm, let me see here. Do I have one? Mm. I laughed so hard at that. I see a man I'm supposed to call police. Oh, yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> like, yeah, these descriptions that they put out, that the media puts out. Hey, we are looking for a person. They're armed and dangerous. Be on the lookout. It's a guy. It's a man. I'm not going to tell you any other descriptor. Uh, maybe hair color. Right. Um, by the way, this is related. Nicole Chavez. A couple weeks ago over at CNN. After one of the you know latest in the uh, mass shooting social contagion, did a story on a study that was published in the journal JAMA Surgery, J-A-M-A, I believe that is the Journal of American Medical Association, I believe, right? J-A-M-A, Surgery. Mass shootings in major metro areas in the United States disproportionately affect black people and structural racism may play a role. <laughs> that's, right, that's it. Really? It's the structural racism in the major metro areas. That's okay. Oh, this should be interesting. Researchers at Tulane University analyzed data relating to the 51 largest metro areas, including demographic and income data, as well as reports of mass shootings from 2015 to 2019 compiled by the Gun Violence Archive, which is a nonprofit organization that tracks gun violence in the United States. CNN and the Gun Violence Archive define a mass shooting as a shooting that injures or kills four or more people, not including the shooter. The study found that in areas with higher black populations, mass shootings are likelier to occur compared to communities with higher white populations. Now, this is interesting (laughs) because I have been under the impression that all the mass shooters are white guys. Right? Hasn't that? Yeah. I, this is interesting. This is, this is kind of new. There are also more black people injured and killed when mass shootings take place. Remember, four or more people injured or killed. That's the definition of a mass shooting. Researchers intended to find whether mass shootings are a consequence of structural racism, which they described as the normalized and legitimized range of policies, practices, and attitudes that routinely produce cumulative and chronic adverse outcomes for people of color. 
I don't have any idea what that definition means, nor how it would be applied to this data set. How do you know that? I'll read it again. The normalized and legitimized range of policies, practices, and attitudes that routinely produce cumulative and chronic adverse outcomes for people of color. What, so is it structural racism to defund the police? Is it structural racism to let all sorts of people go free and not charge, to reduce charges, right? Bail reform, quote unquote. Are, are those structural is that structural racism or the because I thought those things were being implemented to undo that. Dr. Kimberly Golish and Dr. Leah Tatibi or Tatibe with the Department of Surgery at Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine in a commentary about the, stu- the study's finding says it provides evidence to support interventions to decrease the downstream effects of structural racism. So, okay, they, so basically they're like, okay, yeah, you know what? We found out that uh, there's a lot of mass shootings that are occurring in major metro areas, and so structural racism, and so let's implement progressive policies. But you guys have been doing that already. These are not hotbeds of right-wingery. All right, let me get Bo on the program. Hello, Bo. Welcome to the show. Hey, Pete. Hey. Pete, are you, are you, I think you've hurt my feelings. I'm not sure, I think, but I know you've hurt a lot of people's feelings. Yeah. Because because you're talking about um, um, a man like all people out there who look like they might be a man or actually a man. Ah. And goodness gracious, how in the world are we going to know if that man that looks like a man is a man? Because... Goodness gracious. That's true. I just assumed a gender when I was giving the hypothetical uh, uh, bolo. That's true. Oh, all my feelings are hurt. I I will check myself into the nearest struggle session. I appreciate that, Pete. And I appreciate you uh, trying to keep wisdom out there, although obviously a lot of us are going to be confused for a long time. That's true. Bo, I appreciate you keeping me on the right path here. Uh, keeping, yeah, yeah. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Yeah. I, I, I didn't even think about that. Like the media putting out the bolo, be on the lookout for the armed and dangerous man. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. How, how do we know that that's a man? You don't know that. Be on the lookout for a person who just robbed a bank. That's the description. At the end of this story at CNN, by Nicole Chavez. Headline, structural racism may contribute to mass shooting, study says. <laughs> yeah, okay. Or, or it may not, right? May not. <laughs> uh, but they concluded, racial and ethnic minority populations are significantly more likely to be victims of mass shootings. Sust- and, and I believe that, by the way. You know why I believe that? Because there's a whole lot of shootings that occur in major metro areas, in, in cities that are controlled and have been controlled for decades by Democrats. And they have implemented all sorts of policies. That is absolutely true. Now, maybe the, maybe the, the buried lead here, uh, the real story, is that uh, Democrats are engaged in structural racism. I don't know. I'm just trying to connect those dots here. I don't know. Is that, are they too close together, too much in a, in a singular line for me to connect? I don't know. They say systemic inequities lead to a variety of outbreaks of gun violence in the. Oh, so they're just inequities that prompt the outbreaks of the gun violence. 
It's nothing to do with drugs, nothing to do with gang activity, nothing to do with robbery and criminality, a culture that celebrates criminality. It has nothing to do with any of that. No, 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 no. The, the thing missing from the CNN article here, you know what it is? Proof. Proof. They don't have any proof. That's why it's not part of the story. Guns are not the leading cause of children's deaths. Have you heard this line? Democrats have been pushing it for a while now, ever since the CDC put out their report, and they're like, oh, gun deaths, leading cause. Of, of childhood deaths. Yeah, it's been a favorite talking point of the Biden White House and the North Carolina Democrat Party, the Progressive Caucus in the state party as well. Kamala Harris has tweeted about it. Washington Post has written stories about it. NPR, BBC, fact checkers from Newsweek to Snopes, all of them pushing the claim. Slight problem. Not true. It's not true. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. John Lott, writing at Real Clear Politics. Uh, he's the one that wrote the book More Guns, Less Crime years ago. He's a researcher on um, all things gun-related and such. And so when looking at this data point that... Uh, that the uh, the media has been uh, promoting that uh, guns are the leading cause of children's deaths. The first question you have to determine is, what is a child? And for a society that doesn't know what a woman is, I'm not so sure we were able to do this. But he says, if you're looking at those under the age of 18, well, vehicle deaths are consistently greater than those from firearms. Adding homicides, unintentional deaths, and suicides, you add them all together, and you get 2,443 total deaths from vehicles and about 200 fewer from firearms. Okay, so it's number two. Behind homicides, unintentional deaths, and suicides. In 2021, uh, there were 2,668 vehicle deaths, So almost 2,700 and 2,500 firearm deaths. When we exclude, if you take out justifiable homicides that are committed in self-defense, the number falls by several hundred. Okay, so even if we are counting 17-year-old gang members as children, the claim is incorrect. The claim that Guns are the number one leading cause of death among children. That is incorrect. That's even if you count 17-year-old gang members, okay? More minors died from suffocation in 2019 and 2020. Homicides for all ages have been going up since 2020. Did something happen in 2020? Mm. It's a brain buster as to when it started. 
or why it started when it started. Democrats blame this increase on guns. They ignore, of course, the police budget cuts. They ignore, of course, the refusal to prosecute violent criminals. They refuse to... uh, uh, They refuse to take into account the bail reform that they've enacted, mass release of a lot of young, healthy inmates during the pandemic. I mean, all of that maybe have had an influence. I don't know. A lot of people would even define children at even younger ages. But the claims by gun control advocates are only possible if you define everybody under the age of 20 as a child. That's how they get their number. They include everybody under the age of 20. Now, one would think that just once out of simple randomness, murder rates would have gone down or remained the same after a gun ban. But whenever crime data is available from before and after, and you're able to see, did the ban work or not, we can see that the murder rates have actually gone up after bans. Gun control advocates will tell you that Washington and Chicago are not fair tests. They'll point out that criminals can still get guns in Virginia or Maryland or Illinois or Indiana. While that might explain why murder rates did not fall as promised, it does not explain why murder and violent crime rates went up. Even island nations have fared no better. After the U.K. banned handguns in January of 1997... Its homicide rate rose 50% over the following eight years. The rate returned to earlier levels only after a 14% increase in the number of police. Right, So when you just take the guns and you don't beef up the police force, you end up with increasing homicide rates. Even more dramatic post-ban surges occurred in Jamaica and in Ireland. They saw six or seven-fold increases in homicide rates. Democrats cannot accept their responsibility for increased violent crime in 2020 and 2021. They want to blame guns, and there's no better way to do so than to keep claiming that guns are the number one killer of children. But it's not true. Every single day, there is a Twitter account called the North Carolina Democratic Party Progressive Caucus. And as you might imagine, they are idiots. Uh, and they, quote, uh, they tweet idiocy because they're idiots, right? See my prior statement. Anyway, they, they tweet every single day, this is your daily reminder that guns are the number one killer of children. And every single day that I see it, I, I, I don't go looking for it, but when I come across their, their dumbassery, I post this information. They are aware of it. They do know that it is not true, and they don't care. They are just interested in advancing this narrative. That's all they care about. There's a through line here on all of these stories. In fact, up next, we'll get into Mark Elias. Okay, we'll talk about Mark Elias. Up next. (laughs) 